What's up, you guys? Welcome to the August 8th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, getting ready to go over some bounce-back players for the upcoming season, guys who were hurt. We'll talk about the guys we like, guys we don't like, and uh, everything in between, I guess. Um, and with me to do so is Ryan Canass. What's up, man? How's it going, Mike? Just enjoying some uh, Olympics. Have you been you been keeping up with the of Katie Ledeckis and Michael Phelps of the world? Uh, more about Dario Saric, but <laughs> he, he had a bad game yesterday. But props to Croatia, man. That was uh, our, our my pod with Steve. We did a preview, and I was like, Croatia's a sleeper team, and they came through, man. You called it, Huge yeah. Comeback. And Saric didn't have a terrible game. He was he was decent overall. Struggled yeah. to score, and he had that game saving block against Gasol to yeah. to seal the win. That was a really fun game. Oh yeah, man. I'm I'm all in on Croatia. I love that team. And uh, Bohan, uh, like I said, I said Bohan's probably going to be one of the top non U.S. scorers, and he looks great. Uh, he's always yeah. a great international. And, and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovic, no relation. Uh, yep. He was spectacular uh, uh, in the first the first day of the Olympics. I think he had like a 79 true shooting percentage. He was just lighting it up. Uh, they can't guard him. Uh, yeah, they're so. uh, doing their namesakes proud out there. Yeah. <laughs> does the does Spain's loss give you any pause, or do you think this was just a blip against a team? Maybe they they uh, didn't expect to come out playing as well as they did. A little bit. Um, I mean, France too. France was terrible. I yeah, mean, they, they should, got crushed. They beat up on Australia, but. Uh, I take it. I'll take it to my grave that I think that they were partying pretty hard in Rio the night before. Boris <laughs> uh, Dia drinking some some glasses of wine with a uh, with the funny <laughs> smirk on his face. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into this thing. Uh, a lot of injuries. We're gonna kind of focus on guys that were hurt. Um, talk about what their injuries could mean for him, and we'll kick off with the Suns. Uh, Eric Bledsoe. If you had him in. November, December, you were like, all right, I stole this guy in the third round. He was putting up borderline first-round numbers, uh, 20 points, uh, four boards, six assists, two steals, one-and-a-half threes, solid percentages. Uh, but, yeah, again, the meniscus is, has been his undoing. Uh, he had a, a, a very durable season in 2014-15, but besides his rookie year, he's been hurt uh, pretty much throughout because of his knee. So a guy that... I mean, he's so worth it. If he's going to give you 75-plus games uh, and you take him in the third, you're golden. But where do you see the uh, risk assessment on him? It's, you know, I love Eric Bledsoe as a player. His across-the-board versatility is amazing. Um, he's uh, A couple of years in a row, he was in my bold predictions for the Road to World draft guide, just, you know, predicting some truly lofty numbers. Uh, I think I, ha- I thought he might get up to a block a game at one point because he was just showing such incredible across-the-board versatility. Uh, he averaged 0.7 blocks per game in 2012-13. But when you look at that injury, I mean, that meniscus, as you pointed out, has just been uh, an anchor around his fantasy value. So he's, in his career, he's cracked the top 100 one time, and that was last season, or uh, two seasons ago, I should say, 2014-15, when he was a top 30 guy, top 15 in 8-cat. So you see that upside, and it's very tempting to reach for him a couple rounds earlier than you should. But with with the mountain of injury concerns, I can't justify taking him where you might project his his upside to be. Yeah, uh, and like you said, that uh, that twelve thirteen is last year with the Clippers. The point seven blocks was in twenty point four minutes. I mean, it's just unbelievable yeah. uh, how much he puts up the stats. Uh, yeah, like made for fantasy. I love seeing his three point shot kind of coming into its own. He was thirty seven percent from three last year. Uh, big bump from thirty two percent in twenty fourteen fifteen. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, if, if we knew he's going to play 75 games all day second round, but I'm probably mm-hmm. thinking like fourth uh, kind of, I mean, it, it, I probably see, like, he's probably one of the, among the top 50 players, one of the most risky players to take, uh, I would think, just because he plays like kind of like Dwayne Wade, where it's just so reckless. He's mm-hmm. 26, he's going to be 27 in December. Uh, but is that you're pretty much on the same page, like fourth round, sound about right? Yeah, just pure risk reward, and just based on his history, I might. This is a thing where I have to try to let logic dictate where <laughs> I pick someone instead of just letting my my heart go for it. Um, so I might even push him back into the fifth kind of uh, middle round guy, just because. I mean, it's sheer risk reward. He's just so so risky. So if there's anyone who has even remotely comparable upside in the fourth round, I think I'd lean toward them. Yeah, so I mean, what about, let's see here, uh, Ricky Rubio, who, who would you prefer taking there? Rubio's uh, got too many flaws, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm done with him, so I think I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably gamble on Bledsoe there. Yeah, same here. Uh, what about Pizza Guy, Isaiah Thomas? Oh, I'd take Thomas there, I Yeah, think. I think so too, he was yeah. really awesome last year. Do you see Horford affecting him, kind of getting off on a tangent here? Uh, no, not negatively. Yeah, nope. same. Yeah. Okay, so let's change gears to Brandon Knight, another guy. Uh, pretty durable in his career for the most part. Uh, only played 52 games last year. That's a career low. Uh, I feel like the Suns were kind of taking it easy on him uh, with his ankle injury and everything. But uh, very disappointing, too. When Bledsoe went down, uh, I know I was and most people were expecting Knight to take a leap. And it didn't happen. He really disappointed. Uh, very low efficiency. Um, yeah, just overall letdown for me. Uh, yeah, so I'm not probably too high on him, but someone I can see having a nice bounce back year. I expect him to be kind of a Jamal Crawford-esque kind of player coming off the bench, probably looking at, you know, I'll call it 16 points a game. I expect Booker to score more, uh, and then I don't think Blitz is affected from the Booker breakout much. How about you? Uh, yeah, 16 points sounds right. I give him one and a half threes. Um, the big concern there, you mentioned that he he failed to really take off in fantasy when Bledsoe went down. Part of that was because he was getting more opportunities, but shooting so horribly from the field yeah. that it was kind of a give and take. It you know it didn't really add value when he's shooting 41.5% from the field. So you like him as a guy who can contribute points, threes, assists. He'll give you some steals. Good free throw shooter. Um, but the field goal percentage is real anchor. The turnovers are terrible. 3.4 per game last year. And that was in an expanded role. So, we, you know, you like him to drop down probably high twos. But even that isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to help you in a nine cat. So, yeah, I see him as a guy. He's got with the flaws to his game. Uh I don't really see him as an injury concern. I think the sports hernia is kind of just a fluky thing. He'll be fine. Um, but I look at him as a kind of late middle round guy, to be honest. I'm not I'm not all that high on night. Yep, same here. 37% in March uh, in his 10 or so games there. Uh, just Yeah, not good. So you're probably thinking of what, 10th, 11th round, something like that. I'm, I've never really been a night guy, even when he broke out. Yeah, I might go 9th, 10th. I mean, somewhere, somewhere around the 100 mark, I'd start thinking about him. Yep. Okay, so uh, probably one of the most high-profile players, I guess, would be Blake Griffin, uh, who has injury concerns right now. Uh, they're talking about his quad, possible tearing there. And this guy was, obviously, his career started off kind of on a rocky start here with uh, that kneecap fracture. But 
was super, super durable. Only missed four games in his first four seasons. Uh, and then, yeah, he's fallen off. Only 35 games last year. Uh, obviously, the whole broken hand, which I feel like was kind of a, a masking agent, if you will, uh, for the quad uh, to kind of overshadow that. So uh, a guy who was going strong second round, probably like 14th, 15th in drafts last year. And he's good. I mean, 21.4 points, 8.5 boards, 5 dimes. <clears throat> obviously, the, the defense has never been there with Blake. Uh, and then 50% from the field, 73% from the line, which didn't grow. He was kind of rising um, where that was the big concern with Blake. It's like, all right, he's going to kill you in free throws. But he's been kind of coming around there. So a guy that I'm concerned here. Uh, so I think he's kind of in the, the Bledsoe range. Like if he's there in the fourth, cool. Maybe late third if I missed out on big men in the first two rounds. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm concerned on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm – uh have a similar view in that the the quad obviously is the big injury he got the you know skipped the olympics he had a bone marrow procedure to try to speed up the healing and we're talking months and months out from the original injury uh so all of that is red flags so if you're drafting him i'm not necessarily completely scared off him but there's going to be a point at which if i'm looking at blake griffin and a somewhat comparable player i'm going with that comparable player assuming that they don't have all the baggage that griffin's coming with um, it should also be noted that he's never posted first round value in eight cat or nine cat in his career. Uh, he's cracked the third round twice, um, injuries and free throw concerns kind of drag him down. You mentioned he's improved from the line. Uh, last year he shot just 5.5 attempts, which kind of helped him because he's still hovering in that, the low seventies. So he's, he's not going to hurt you as much as he used to there, but he's still not helping. Uh, with the injuries on top of that, he doesn't get many defensive uh, stats for a big man, which is another concern. Um, so, I, yeah, I just don't like him enough to really gamble on his, say, second-round upside. So I'm with you. I think in the Bledsoe range, you know, fourth, fifth round, you start to think about him. Yep, and we mentioned the increase on free throw percentage. Pretty Last year was 14-15, uh, and last year was pretty much a push. 72.8 and 72.7. Uh, but on the other hand, his field goal percentage has gone down every single year uh, since uh, four years ago, excluding his rookie season. Mm. Uh, so that's, you know, like you said, that's kind of what's, what's hurt him a little bit. All those jump shots he's been shooting lately uh, has kind of curtailed his overall uh, efficiency, I guess. Um, actually, one, one quick thing. I, uh, this is kind of a tangent. Uh, that I just kind of thought of is Jonas Valachunas is, is a guy I really like, and he kind of popped in my head as a guy that was uh, who's probably going to go. I would project him to go around when Blake goes, uh, and I I don't, I don't know. I love JV. He only played sixty games last year. Uh, I mean, he's just so good efficiency wise. Fifty seven percent from the field in each of his last two seasons. Seventy six percent from the line last year. Uh, I think he's going to grow a little bit more. He's 24. Uh, he, he's kind of one of my guys that I feel like I have to take. And what about you? I feel like if I'm if I had to choose between JV and Blake, I'm, I may take JV. Yeah, that's the that's that comparable player situation yeah, I was exactly. talking about. That's, that's what popped in my head when you said that. Yeah, I, I think honestly, I'm with you. I've been betting on Valanciunas for a couple of years <laughs> yeah. though, and Dwayne Casey keeps uh, making me pay for it. But <laughs> you gotta think he's gonna average more than the 25.9 he played last year. Um, that's gotta come up. I don't see him as as a big injury concern, although he missed 22 games last year. Um, yeah, I, I think I. I mean, it it depends where things are in training camp. If 
Blake looks great and all that, you know, there's just rave reviews that might tip the balance toward him. Um, but right now, I think I would probably give Valentinus the edge, which I, I would wager most of our listeners would disagree. Yeah, I think you're right. But I mean, like you said, after the 2013-14 season, I know I was like, give me JV all day two seasons mm-hmm. ago. Uh, like we, You and I love percentages. And uh, you would expect him to go from 28.2 minutes to hit 30, and it just didn't happen. His minutes dropped, but no more Bismack again. I mean, this this guy is just total fantasy monster time. I mean, he Damn. could be, he could be, and I'm sure you won't disagree, a 16.11 board, two and a quarter block guy uh, in age 24 season uh, coming in the NBA kind of raw. I don't think he's going to yeah. hit that, but I'm just saying that, that's first round. Uh, with with his potential with the uh, the field goals and stuff and, and free throw percentage, yeah, and you got a big man who shoots about eighty percent from the line, doesn't turn the ball over. Um, and whereas Griffin, you're looking at a power forward who blocks maybe half a shot per game. Uh, he's been under one steal per game the past two seasons. So yes, the assists are nice, out of position assists, um, but I. Yeah, with the poor free throw shooting and everything, I'm yeah, just not that big on. Yeah, I mean JV's ceiling is way higher than Blake's is, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, he's basically like Al Horford, kind of, without without the threes, I guess. Okay, so back on track here. Uh, he's, JV's kind of a bounce back guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of, I guess I wouldn't really. I don't know if I would call him a bounce back, but Michael Kidd Grillchrist, he had a really bad season uh, with that poor shoulder injury. Um, he looked great though, coming up, coming on, coming around early. He scored thirteen points on fifty four percent from the field. He's always had the free throw concerns. Um, but always good with steals, uh, and not like great, but uh, his defense, I think, is I expect his steals to kind of go up. Uh, he's only been point six per game. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean, kind of like a last round. I've never really been an MKG guy. Um, do you, where do you see him? Like kind of a last round flyer. He's twenty two, so I mean, he still can can grow. I mean, he he came into the league so young. Yeah, so. I, I'd like him as a special. I really wish that he would get more defensive stats. He, he's the kind of guy who's like built for the fact that if he gave you a, a steal and a block per game, boom, you know, yeah. suddenly he, he's got much more value than you might expect from a guy with, with his limitations. But he just doesn't do that. So as a late round pick, maybe. And I don't think in a 12 team league, I would even touch him, though. Um, between the injuries and the fact that Last year, you know, owners might be blinded by the fact he shot 54% from the field. He shot 43% from downtown, <laughs> hit point, .43s per game, but he played in seven games. Yeah. And if you look at look at the overall numbers, he was 23 of 35 at the rim, a combined 10 of 26 everywhere else. So, you know, you can't say that his shot is fixed. Um, no. He needs more assists, defensive stats, got to start hitting those threes to overcome the scoring and free throw issues, which we should also mention. He was... Yeah. You know, hovering below seventy percent for his career, seventy five percent as a rookie. He dropped to sixty one percent the next year. He's just all over the map, and I, he, I don't see him kind of standing out enough to even really be a specialist. So, what about this? Uh, what about if you're sitting there and you want a defensive specialist, even though Gilchrist isn't so on the stat sheet? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rondé or MKG? I, I feel like you're going to say Rondé easily. <laughs> Yeah, yep, you yeah. you got me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way, man. I love Rondé. Rondé Rondé's like the new MKG, but with steals. Yeah, per, um, per 36 last year, he averaged 2.3 steals and almost a block. So, there it is. Yeah, whoop, there it is. 
Uh, <laughs> all right, so we'll move along here to another big man with injury concerns, the old navicular bone. That That's the, the death bone uh, of foot injuries for Mr. Marcus Saul. Uh, still dealing with injuries, not out there for Spain right now. Little concern here. We've talked about Gasol before, how much we... I mean, he's just awesome for fantasy. Gives you a little defense, nice assists, awesome percentages. Um, yeah, I mean, he's probably... I'm, I'd call it about a uh, round and a half later than that Bledsoe-Blake kind of range. You on, with, on board with me there? Yeah, I think the last time we talked to him, I was a little bit higher on him than you are. Yeah. Um, but the more I, I look into it, I mean, as late as the last we heard in late June, he didn't have medical clearance. He was hoping to start running on an anti-gravity uh, treadmill. He's entering his, you know, age 31 season. A big man with a foot fracture is is obviously a huge concern. So, yeah, there's there's enough red flags that I've kind of cooled off, even though, you know, I look at his his fantasy history. He's been phenomenal. He's only been outside of the top uh, top 40 twice in the past six years and those were both injury related so it's just another huge risk versus reward as as is natural and when you're talking about bounce back candidates um so i I, yeah i'd probably put them in the four or five round now that i'm a couple weeks after our first discussion all right sounds good we'll move along then uh about bradley beal mr fibula fracture uh every single season got his money um kind of disappointing last year i expected him to grow a little bit more and Flirt with 20 points a game, only hit 17 and a half. Um, and his overall efficiency kind of dipped, uh, only hit 39% from three, uh, which was down from 41% two seasons ago. And, and I'm waiting for him to hit 80% from the line as well. He was only 77%. He's such a great pure shooter. Uh, his assist dropped. He just didn't grow. I mean, you expected a young guy. He just turned 23 in June. Uh, I was expecting kind of a leap uh, when people took him uh, I didn't have him on any team, but when he went, mm-hmm. it was always like just about seven or eight picks before I had him at the top of my queue. So he's going to fall this year, uh, and justifiably so. So I'm on board with him probably around where he was going last year, which was around seventh or eighth. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm doubling down. I think he'll kind of grow this year. Uh, just uh, a shooting guard's very hard to draft. So I, I like Beal. Uh, I could see myself targeting him. Yeah, you mentioned the positional scarcity, and that's really the only reason I'd consider Beal. I've never been high on him. Um, I mean, he's still he's going to be 23 this season, so who knows? Maybe he will. We will see that growth, that, as you said, we've been expecting and uh, hasn't quite arrived. But what worries me? I mean, last year you've got a 22 year old player admitting to the media that he might be on a minute limit for the rest of his career. And I'm like, as a fantasy owner, that's an enormous red flag. Um, he hasn't played more than 73 games in any season. Uh, his scoring and three pointers are nice, but elsewhere he's just kind of mediocre. Uh, career averages: three point seven boards, three assists, one steal, point three blocks, forty two point six percent shooting. So sure, that's coming up. You could see that creeping. It's actually increased all four years in the league up to forty four point nine percent last year. So I think he's going to be a top one hundred guy, but I'm not going to get him because. As you mentioned, even you didn't get him, and you value him, I think, a little bit higher than I do. Yeah. So I, I think his his um, image in the fantasy circles is just kind of greater than where I view him as finishing the year. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to be in the same boat again, where I have him at the top of my queue, and someone likes him a little bit more than me. But you mentioned the minutes limit, and I think that was based on what, what happened just before he went down. Uh, if you look at his numbers, start, starting with November the 28th, just on minutes here, 41, 42, 38, 38, 41, 40, 39. Dude, don't play Bradley Beal that much. 
I mean, he doesn't need to play upper 30s. Um, minutes limit-wise, uh, I would probably project him at like 34, which was just about where he was two seasons ago. He was 34.7 in his best season when he played 73 games. So yeah, you know, play him, play him mid 30s, lowish mid 30s, and he'll 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 do work for you. Is that where do you project his minutes? About the same as me? 34? I think like th- like 32, I'd say probably. Yeah, that's still fine. Yeah, I think yeah. If if you really want to mitigate the risk on that, probably thirty two is a good number for him. Yeah, I mean that's a full share in a three man rotation, so can't yep. complain. Definitely. Uh, so uh, another guy who probably let me down. I didn't draft him, but uh, I planned on drafting him. Was Damari Carroll? Um, was really good with the Hawks and just couldn't stay healthy. Wasn't even that productive. Uh, a guy that just never got his really legs going. So uh, where do you see him going? I mean, he was probably going. I want to call it fifth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Maybe some people took him in the fifth. Um, do, do you like him at all? Is a guy that can? He's good. For I fantasy. do. Yeah, and unlike you, I did draft him last year, unfortunately, <laughs> in quite quite a few leagues, right in that mid round range. I don't think I took him as high as the fifth, but um, yeah, he was just hurt all year. Played twenty six games. We never really saw what he could do in Toronto, uh, but he was incredibly steady the previous two years. Top. I mean, like literally, his numbers almost identical. So. I don't see there's any reason why he couldn't get back there if his minutes creep up. He was at just below 30 per game with the Raptors. I expect that to creep into the 32 range. And yeah, I like him to bounce back. Uh, the injury concern, not really there for me. Even though he's entering his age 30 season, I think he'll be he'll be okay on that front. Um, I'd probably I, I'd hedge my bets a little bit and target him in around 6, 7, 8, somewhere in there. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking like 8-ish. He'll slide. Um, this very disappointing season. Similar usage rate. The free throw, the the field goal percentage killed him. Thirty nine percent, sixty percent from the line mm-hmm. as well uh, was uh, a career low. Uh, so yeah, excluding oh yeah, that was that was a straight career low for him. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely definitely could see myself drafting him when you're like, all right, uh, I'll take Demar Carroll now. It's <laughs> like when your when your targets are gone, it's kind of like a backup plan. Yeah. Uh, so Danilo Gallinari, another guy always hurt. I uh, just can't stay healthy. Uh, looked great early going. That's twenty points per game scorer. Um, the threes have always been there for him. Just um, pure score. Uh, they don't. They played him too much. Uh, kind of like Bradley Beal. They played him thirty-five minutes a game. Uh, that was an increase from twenty-four minutes a game two seasons ago. So yeah, uh, yeah. Another same thing. Uh, just like, all right, uh, I'll take Gallinari now. You know, not a guy you're going to focus on. Like, oh, I got to get Gallinari. You know, you just wait for him to slide, wait for your targets to go. Um, I would say I'd take Gallo over Damari Carroll, um, over Beal too. I think probably by call it by a round, I'd probably be on the same page there, unless I really need a shooting guard. But yeah, they're all kind of in that same, like you said, six, seven, eight range. Yeah, I think I might lean toward Carroll slightly over Gallinari just because of his his deluge of injuries throughout his career. I mean, we've seen there was I think two years ago after the break he just he was awesome, um, or maybe three seasons I don't know, but he basically posting second round value. So we know what his upside can be. But you talk about last year they played a guy who's injury prone, thirty a career high that was thirty four point seven minutes, and you know it's just too much. So you expect those minutes to come down uh, with Wilson Chandler there. They'll have a little more flexibility to rein in Gallo. Um, he's got lots of incentive. He's he's got a sixteen million dollar player option next summer. So if he has a healthy campaign, he could set himself up for a huge payday. Uh, he's just going to be twenty eight, so that's a sweet spot if you're looking for a long term contract. Um, 
Yeah, past five seasons, he's played 53 games, then 59, 71, 43, and 62. There's just too much, too many concerns there for me. So I'd, I'd take him before Beal because I like his upside, but probably after Carroll because I'm more concerned about his injuries. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Like you said, his post break uh, two seasons ago was awesome. 19 points, 44% from the field, 2.8 threes, 1.3 steals. I mean, he was just – yeah. Unbelievably good. If you had him in, in the fantasy playoffs, you, you made out like a bandit on that one. So, yeah, um, definitely another guy that's just very risky. Um, that's a, the, that may be the theme of this episode. I was going to say, this is <laughs> kind of a depressing uh, podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll talk about uh, another super depressing story is Myers <laughs> Leonard. Uh, he has a new haircut, uh, so maybe that'll help his, his horrible... Uh, one of the biggest fantasy disappointments. Uh, I mean, he was just so, so good in limited minutes in 14 15. 51% from the field, 94% from the line, 42% from three with 9. 9, uh, 0.9 makes. And then you saw him in the playoffs put work against Marcus Saul that year and just didn't happen. Uh huh. So where do you see him? He's back with the Blazers, got re-signed, got paid. Um, yeah. Just a late-round flyer for you or anything a little bit more bullish? I'm not more bullish. Um, I, I don't even think I drafted him anywhere last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, you know, there were impressive in 2014-15, as you mentioned, his permanent stats were really good. Uh, he would have, on a per 36-minute basis, he would have helped you in every category except for assists, steals, and blocks, I think. So... He, he's got upside, but the problem is even if his shoulder surgery has fully healed him, and I, I attribute his drop-off in shooting almost entirely to that. I think you know he's playing through a serious shoulder injury that's going to affect your shot, and he talked about it throughout the year. Um, but even if you assume his shoulder's 100%, where are the minutes going to come from? I mean, he averaged 22-point game, uh, 21.8 last season, which is probably where he's going to be this year because you've got Harkless, who can play some power forward, Aminu, Ed Davis... Plumley, Azili, there's just too many viable options there. Yeah, and you and I, I mean, if you're going to draft a big man, give me some blocks. Uh, that that's that's kind of the big knock on him. Uh, we love he's basically uh, JV with a way lower usage rate uh, without the blocks. Uh, just a very strong percentage guy. Uh, sounds like I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on him than you are. I mean, if I'm sitting there and uh, you know I, I love my percentages, I could see myself taking I could see myself taking him in like the twelfth, something like that, just late. Right. Uh, yeah, because he's not going to get shots. I mean, Evan Turner's there now. Uh, like you said, Harkless, uh, Alan Crabb probably gets more shots. So yeah, it's uh, where, where, where do you see Plumlee's minutes falling this year? Um, pretty. I'd probably go mid twenties, probably like twenty three, twenty four. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. Just, I think Myers will get some center minutes, uh, a little bit, probably more center than power forward. Um, are you with me on that one? Or? Um, yeah. Just see with the addition of Azili and yeah. Plumlee already there, it's just it's hard to see him getting more than a handful, I guess. Yeah. And Ed Davis too is uh, another guy yeah. I like a lot. Uh, not fantasy, but I like the way he plays. Okay, so another guy that was just a complete disaster last year. Man, this is so depressing. Um, and I mean, he may have been the the biggest uh, in the doghouse of all time. Um, yeah, that's Terrence Jones, uh, another guy we love for fantasy. Just very uh, his fourteen fifteen season was was really good. He's kind of he was hurt that year, but 
uh, gave us a tasty little morsel with 12 points, 1.8 blocks, uh, had a little bit of three flavors, seven, seven boards, but last year really, really fell off, couldn't get out of J.B. Bickerstaff's doghouse, uh, but got a new team now, he's with the Pelicans, he's going to play some center, he's going to play some four, uh, definitely a sneaky pick, I know that Jonas is, uh, Nader is, loves that guy, uh-huh. So if we're in a league together, he's probably drafting him. I'm, I'm not going to reach for him, but I would. I think I would take Jones over Myers, but it, it's kind of close depending on need. I think they're kind of in that same twelfth-ish range for me. Mm, yeah, I would definitely take Jones over over Myers, and uh, you mentioned Jonas and also Jarrett have been very very high <laughs> yeah. on, uh, on Terrence Jones the past few years, and last year was painful for them. I, I felt bad, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean he he's definitely worth a look, uh, you know, in the late rounds for sure, for certain in deeper leagues. Um, injuries were just the story last year. He ended up averaging career lows in PER, total rebound rate, assist percentage, block percentage, basically every metric. He was terrible. So the biggest issue was shooting. He dropped from fifty-two point eight percent two seasons ago to forty-five percent. I mean that's just crazy. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. So you expect him to bounce back there and. The biggest thing for me that kind of recommends him, assuming he can stay healthy, which is a big asterisk, uh, is New Orleans' lack of depth. They just don't have, you know, behind Anthony Davis is pretty much Jones. Uh, If Diallo develops quicker than we might think, then that could complicate things. But I think Jones is going to start out with a healthy role. Uh, You mentioned he could play some center minutes. So I I rather like him as a late-round target. Yeah, they played 41 different starting lineups last year. Um, (laughs) Just absurd. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I hope they play Ashik a little bit less than what they were playing him. Um, I'm not a big Agenza guy. He was in the doghouse, too, at times. I uh, got pulled for when they basically had no depth. Uh, uh, he didn't even play. They basically just played without a center that one game without Davis, and their, their whole team was banged up, which was a big theme for them. But, yeah, no more Rhino, uh, no more Eric Gordon. So they, they need some help. Uh, so yeah, just a nice high ceiling guy, definitely a strong target. So are you? Would you go tenth? I mean, would you, a ninth? I mean, he he has the upside to be a top fifty player for sure. Yeah, I'd say, and I mean, he accepted a I think a minimum contract just because he knew that he was going to step into a bigger role where he could kind of prove himself. So I I like his his outlook. Uh, ninth, tenth, both seem reasonable. Yep. Yeah, I guess like I, I'm probably I'm starting to grow on him a little bit more. Uh, just yeah, just an awesome fantasy guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, we saw uh, Ennis have some value late in the season. Uh, Luke Babbitt uh, playing some four for them <laughs> last year. Okay, so let's talk about even more depressing uh, guys that we really don't like for bounce backs. Uh, we'll start with uh, Pelican. That's uh, Tyreek Evans, a guy I've never really been too high on. Uh, he was going early, even last year when he was hurt. Uh, like, oh, he'll come back and kill it for you. Will he, though? <laughs> He's just always hurt. Uh, that knee injury, what has it been, three knee surgeries in the past three years? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just no thank you. Not not a three-point shooter. Doesn't really do too much with defense. Um, yeah, I mean, 11th round. Uh, no thanks. I just, I'll let someone else draft him. Yeah, it was a tough year last year for owners because you look at him, I mean, he missed... 10 games three seasons ago, just three games two seasons ago, and then suddenly 
you know, the bottom dropped out last year and his owners had that slow dawning realization that he was not going to come back. And that was, that hurts even more when you're just holding on to a guy praying that he's going to help you to, you know, for the fantasy playoffs and suddenly it all just crashes down. So yeah, but throughout his career, he's been injury prone. Uh, the Pelicans seem to be hedging their bets a little bit about what he's going to contribute this year. They got guys like Tim Frazier, Langston Galloway. Um, they brought in Solomon Hill, who gives them a little insurance on the wings. So, yeah, although Tyreek showed some three-point range last year, but he's just he's too injury-prone to trust. I, I like his across-the-board value, but I don't trust him to stay healthy at all. Yeah, and uh, uh, each one more, they've really been pumping him up uh, from what I've seen with the Pelicans comments. Right, yep. uh, they, really, they really like him. Awesome three-point shooter last year. Uh, so, yeah, what are you thinking, like 11th-ish, 10th, maybe? Same, same yeah. kind of? Yeah, TJ? I'd take a kind of late-round flyer on him for sure. All things equal, TJ or... Uh, that's Terrence Jones or Tyreek? I think I'd roll the dice on Tyreek there. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. But it's close though, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Uh, so another guy that I know you and I don't like is Michael Carter-Williams. Uh, I mean, if they picked up Matthew Dellavedova to take some of your minutes, that's not a good sign. Uh, <laughs> unless Jason Kidd loves his grit, which he very well does. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just never really good for for percentages. He's a very subpar shooter. That was the big thing coming out. Um, yeah, uh, no, thank you. I, it's, I don't even I don't even know if I would draft him. Yeah, we don't have to talk about him too much. <laughs> I, I'd call him a kind of double barrel player in a bad sense. That both in in reality and fantasy, he's he's screwed. He's got <laughs> as you mentioned. There's there's too much going on in the Bucks backcourt. They want to play. Giannis at point guard. You've got Della Vadova in there, going to take some of his minutes. Uh, Brogdon and Vaughn both vying at shooting guard. There's just it's unclear where Carter Williams could possibly get you know low thirty minutes. In which case he might help fantasy owners. Um, and then on top of that, you've got all of his statistical limitations, which I won't go through. Uh, but yeah, just not enough there to recommend him for me unless he's traded somewhere, maybe. Yeah, he may get traded, but I don't see him. I see him getting traded as like a backup. I think his days of um, playing thirty-four minutes a game, like he did with with Philly, uh, I don't really see that happening. Do you? I mean, I don't. I, don't, I can't yeah. even think of a situation where he'll go and be re- like kind of relevant. I mean, no, like, relevant right. is in like top seventy-five. Yeah, it would have to be some sort of ideal situation where injuries had ravaged the team. Yeah. I'm not even sure. But uh, any team, you're looking for a lead point guard. You're not looking for a guy who basically has a two to one assist to turnover ratio <laughs> he was at 5.2 assists per game last year 2.8 turnovers and 3.8 turnovers the year before in a, in a bigger role that's just you know that's untenable terrible he had the uh the, the tony roten syndrome he was hanging around tony roten too much <laughs> with the high volume high turnovers so moving on to eric gordon um yeah great great spot for him i mean the mike d'antoni system gonna get a lot of shots he was okay last year. I think if you drafted him before he got hurt, you were pretty satisfied with what he did. Uh, you got to love him shooting 89% from the line, even though it was only three attempts. Um, his his steals were one a game, which has pretty much been his calling. You know, just kind of his thing. He's getting about a steal, uh, but the threes are where it's at. I mean, he's this is a guy that's probably going to flirt with 2.8 threes, I would say. So, I mean, that right there gives him a really nice floor. But again, this this knee injury is a big concern. Uh, even before he's kind of had those Terrence Jones kind of injuries where he gets hurt on some weird stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I like Gordon uh, just in that same range, man. Where where you're looking to take uh, some threes, he's gonna slide. Uh, but the upside's very very nice. Where do you, where do you see him as a target? 
Um, yeah, I'd take him as a three-point specialist in the later rounds. Those threes are going to be ridiculous. I mean, he could almost carry you in that category. He was two and a half per game last year on 38.6, and he could shoot better than that in the system in Houston. I mean, he's going to get some wide-open shots. He's going to have license to just fire at will. And I think that backup role will hopefully limit his minutes enough that he can stay healthy. And that is the theme of this podcast, and it's certainly the theme of Eric Gordon's career. It's a guy, he hasn't played more than 64 games in a season since he was a rookie. Um, the poor field goal percentage doesn't help. That's also a product of his just living beyond the arc. But he shot at least 45% in his first four seasons. Uh, in the four years since then, he was at 40.2, 43.6, 41.1, 41.9. So I think, I don't know if he's, you know, I think he's kind of hedging his bets. He used to be just ultra-aggressive, attacking the rim, um, I think he's kind of shying away from that now because of all those injuries. Is that do you, do you kind of get that vibe as well that his yeah. percentage is plummeting as he moves away from the paint? Oh yeah, which is fine. I mean, if if you're gonna hit, if you hit forty three percent and you're hitting two and change on threes, I'm cool with that. Uh, especially if you're a good free throw shooter with you know close to three a game. Uh, yeah. But yeah, his free throw rate is also dipped. Uh, you you mentioned the field goal percentage, but. Uh, free throw percentage since he started in New Orleans. For, first, he was, was only nine games. But 7.2, 5.3, 3.5, 2.2, 2.8. I mean, that's it's just a massive drop-off for a guy who's just 27. It's almost like yeah. he's like 37 right. <laughs> with, with that dip. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, he's just going to bomb away. So, I, like I said, I'd probably look at him about 2.8 threes and right around that 42% from from. Uh, from the field should get a lot of easier buckets, uh, probably a lot in transition. He's never really been a great transition player, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, definitely I mean, the upside's nice, man. I mean, if you could get a guy that's flirting with three threes, I mean, he's he's gonna have value for you. So yeah, I mean, I would, uh, I would, I think I'd take Beal, I think, over Gordon. Um, I would for sure. Yeah. yeah okay. So yeah. Uh, um, cool. Let's see here. Um, TJ. We got a Pelicans thing going on here, um, <laughs> which I guess yeah. makes sense from their season last year. So I would take I would take Jones over over Gordon. I would definitely take Tyreek, obviously, because I said I'd oh, take yeah. him over Jones. Um, I'm not. I'm just not that high on Eric Gordon. His yeah. injuries are too scary to me. He's really nothing but a three point specialist in the final round. Yeah, final. Yeah, I'm probably a little bit earlier. I, mean, I, yeah. I think I think TJ and Gordon are close for me. Like if I'm sitting there and I only have one shooting guard, I can see myself taking him. Uh, right. I don't know. I have a thing for Eric Gordon for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, I actually, <laughs> you, you, you I remember him as a Clipper, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, he, he was. Oh, there, there was like a good two month stretch where he was just so so good in one of his years with the Clippers. Uh, and I think it was his last season, and I, I think it just stuck with me. Uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, Joe Kim Noah. New team, probably gonna get. I'll uh, call it twenty four minutes again. Uh, just durability is such a huge concern. A guy I didn't even dr- want to draft last year. Uh, I think we had him at like 160 or something in the ranking, something like that. Um, just hurt, not good for percentages. Uh, and you can just see the decline coming. He's 31. No, I'm not even drafting him this year. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a higher on him than you are, I guess, because I would target him in the final rounds if I were looking for a big man. Um, he played just 29 games last year, and as you mentioned, injuries are a huge concern, but uh, in his 2012-13 and 13-14 seasons, he missed two games combined. So, granted, that was when he was 27-28, he's now going to be 31 this year, so you got to build in some DMPs to your projections for him. But I still think he's going to be around the top 100 kind of range. He's going to have a bigger role offensively for sure, um, 
But the injury concerns, I wouldn't take him in the eighth, ninth. I think I'd more just look at him as a flyer pick because of those, you know, continual injury problems. So you got TJ over Noah? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Noah's coming off his worst ever fantasy season from a per game cumulative, any way you want to cut it. He's he was as bad as he's ever been last year. So I think a lot of people are just going to let him slide. He might go undrafted in a lot of drafts, uh, but I'll be scooping him up. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy how I mean it, it's it's one of the sharpest declines like ever. Um, he was he got MVP votes in a, a few seasons yeah, ago, yeah. and yeah, I mean like you said, the assists are nice. Um, but yeah, I don't know, dude. I just I just I don't know. Once you hit thirty, man, you're pretty much off for me. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk some Markeith Morris, a guy that was kind of spectacular uh, post break um, a couple seasons ago, but. Uh, this trade hurts. Uh, Beal's going to get shots. I think Otto Porter grows more. Obviously, John Wall. Um, uh, not a great spot for him at all. And he wasn't really too productive. His efficiency really uh, kind of went up uh, from 39.7% in Phoenix last year and then traded to 47%. Um, free throw percentage went up. His threes went up. Um, yeah, he's he's always been kind of a nice floor kind of a guy. Forty five percent from the field, uh, good free throw shooter, seventy six percent in his career. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would take him over Noah. Um, uh, I think I would still take TJ over Markeith, but uh, yeah, just uh, just boring <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, Keith, Keith and Terrence Jones are interesting. I'm, they're kind of neck and neck for me, but. Um... Morris, as you mentioned, he was terrible to start the year in Phoenix. There was all those dark clouds hovering <laughs> over him. He was getting in, you know, picking fights with his coach, the media, you, you name it. It was just horrible. Um, and then traded to Washington. I think that kind of gave him a little room to breathe, and he was considerably better. You mentioned his percentage went up uh, across the board. He was better, and he actually returned about tenth round value after that point in twenty six point four minutes per game. So I look at that as kind of his his floor. I don't think he's going to be worse than that. And part of the reason why is because the Wizards don't have depth at power forward. They've got Andrew Nicholson behind him. Um, maybe Jason Smith could play some power forward minutes if they really want him to as a pick and pop guy. Um, so I think a top 100 season is well within reach for Morris. Uh, I don't think he has the upside that we've seen in years past with Phoenix. Um, so I think, yeah, he and Jones are neck and neck for me. I'd take, I'd take Markeith before a guy like Noah for sure. Um, but I think I might be a little higher on him than most people who just have that terrible taste in their mouths after last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, his durability has been really good, too. So this is, this is kind of the one of the few guys in this podcast that we're just not talking about uh, injury destroying True. him. I mean, yep. Mark Heath has been super. He had a really, really long uh, game-started streak going. I forget what it was, but it was just uh, really up there. Um, but yeah, just, uh, uh, I don't know. But yeah, he's, he's a good floor guy. So our old boy, Danny Green, uh, this guy, uh, we loved him. Uh, another guy that's just awesome. You don't usually see guys put up good efficiency and shoot that many threes. But alas, uh, he fell off uh, pretty much everywhere. His defense was really good, of course. But uh, old Danny Green, uh, are, are you uh, feeling green at all after he burned everyone so bad last year? Um, yeah, I'm still going to draft him. I think yeah. so many people are turned off him. And even before last year, a lot of people just didn't 
see him as as valuable as he really was for fantasy uh, in 2014-15 his incredible across the board value he was literally a top 15 guy in nine cap uh on account of he missed one game all year and basically helped you everywhere um so yeah i i like him to have a bounce back he was the reasons for his struggles last year are still kind of inexplicable to me. Uh, you look at his splits with LaMarcus Aldridge on the court, uh, things like he shot 38.3% with LaMarcus on, 39% with him off. So it wasn't, you know, you can't really pin it to one thing. Like LaMarcus, you know, suddenly came in and he was terrible. His shots did drop. He went from uh, nine nine shots per game to seven. So that, that'll take a, a hit, but the more important factor is that his field goal percentage plummeted from 40, almost 44% to 38. So I, he was just at a rhythm. He didn't look, you know, quite right. Um, but I, I like him to bounce back. I'd still probably target him in the late middle rounds. If he falls to me there, I'd, I'd feel lucky to get, to take him. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I'll draft him all day. My favorite Danny green stat is when he was wide open on threes, two seasons ago, 53%, uh, two seasons ago, 36%. Massive drop-off there. Yeah. Uh, it was only 30.4% when he was open last year. Um, horrible, horrible on pull-ups, so off the dribble. He was only 8 of 43, 19%. Um, just, just like you said, just didn't... I mean, his shot looked good, and you would see it go up. You're like, all right, Danny Green's back, and it missed. Yep. Um, <laughs> it was just unbelievably uh just uh yeah but he's like you said he's so so good do you attribute the the aldrich factor at all or what i, I don't i don't buy that uh, yeah i really don't that's what i was saying like his his percentage was basically identical with aldrich on or off the court um it maybe a couple shots got lost to aldrich that that kind of checks out just on a sheer logic basis uh, i don't know i haven't really watched enough film to determine whether plays that would have gone to danny two years ago got kind of absorbed by lamarcus um but no it's just more a matter of he was missing shots he was still getting quality shots wide open shots as you mentioned um, pounding the rock, a Spurs blog did a, an analysis where they figured out that basically he was getting just as many open and wide open shots mm-hmm. as he was the previous year. He just wasn't making them. Yep. Um, and he's a guy, he doesn't create his own shots. Of shots from uh, 24 feet and beyond last year, which was the vast majority of his attempts, uh, 96.5% of his makes were assisted. So, he's, I mean, he's not going to get the ball and dribble and uh, drive it, create his own shots, anything like that. So if he can't just catch the ball wide open and make a three, he's not filling his role for the Spurs. Um, but, but I think it's just kind of inexplicable, that huge drop-off. So I think he will knock down far more shots next year, and, and we'll see a little bounce back. Yeah, where do you see him fitting in in this whole big mix here with among the... Uh, how about this? Uh, Beal or Danny Green or, I mean, obviously over Gordon, but, I mean, I think, I think that's a good, a good debate, uh, Green or Beal. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, I mentioned I'm not huge on Beal's fantasy upside. Um I also, his injury concerns, potential minute limit, although that's not as concerning. And you're talking about Green, a guy who averages, you know, mid to high 20s anyway. But I would I would take Danny Green. Yeah, I think so too, man. Uh, I know he burned he burned everyone. I almost wish, no offense, I wish I almost had Steve on this podcast. <laughs> just saying Danny Green to, to him just infuriates him so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he's just, uh, yeah, I I don't know, but yeah, like you said, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much almost anyone on this pod that we've talked about. I mean, except for, I mean, I take him overnight. Um, obviously, MKG, uh, not Gasol, not Bledsoe. Um, yeah, not yeah, obviously not Bledsoe. Yeah, uh, but yeah, besides those guys, man, give, give me Danny Green. Anything else yeah. you want to add on him? 
No, just you, you mentioned Steve's visceral reaction to Danny Green at this point. And, I mean, he said, he's like, I'm done with this guy. Um, but that, that kind of reaction, you know, makes sense. But that's also the reason why I'm probably going to own him in more than half my leagues this year. Uh, anything else? I think that pretty much covers uh, the guys that, I mean, what about, who else is, uh, anybody else you could think of? I think we've got pretty much everyone. Yeah, I'm sure you could throw more guys out there. Yeah. And you you mentioned Morris is one of the only guys we talked about just because his play simply plummeted and not, you know, necessarily injury related. Um I'm sure we could dig out more guys, but we'll maybe we'll we'll try for something like that on a, on another podcast. Yeah, I got plenty of time. <laughs> uh any anything uh going on Olympics wise today? Anything any good games you want to check out today? This uh, I was just kind of I feel like I'm uh, a little bit let down after last after yesterday. It's going to be tough to match yesterday's game. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean U.S. Venezuela. I'm always game for a good blowout. Oh, um, for sure, yeah. <laughs> you've got a uh, France well, bounce. France better be France better destroy China. Oh yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah, but so I, I know it's, you said too. they looked so bad in that first game. So they yeah they just looked completely out of sync. Yeah, they hopefully they weren't partying too hard last yeah. night. Oh. Australia is currently up two points on Serbia, so we might get a good finish there. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm surprised how well Australia's been playing. Yeah, they're a solid team, and but um, it's interesting that Bogut suited up for his team. I know he missed the previous Olympics and yeah. kind of seemed like he wanted to do it for uh, flag and country, and you know you got, got to give him some respect there. Yeah, Old boomers. Too bad they don't have more uh, Oklahoma. I was thinking about this Oklahoma Sooners who are Australian boomer Sooners. <laughs> I guess there's something there. Yeah, I'm stupid. Um, all right, so we're going to get out of here on that. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. You guys have a great week, and thanks for coming on, Ryan. Sure thing, Mike.